Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another Monday, another uh, Westminster Roundup. It's been a few days we've been off, obviously, with the, the news, sad news uh, about Sir David Amos. So, truth, I can't really lie. I, it kind of hit me. So I had to take a couple of day break just to kind of get my head together and come back to you guys with Peter Barnes today to discuss the realities of uh, what this actually means. Now, we've had a few days to of course, uh, mourn and focus on how this has been a, an attack on democracy as well as humanity. Uh, Peter and I today are going to discuss uh, the consequences and how this is going to affect everything. So firstly, Peter is not in the UK and uh, he's, he's abroad and his internet connection is not great. So the format that we're going to have is going to be slightly different. So you're going to probably notice some sort of difference. Uh, so we, I'm going to go to Peter first to kind of uh, see what he thinks about how the last couple of days have gone and then we're going to discuss the suspect but also the the future of british politics and how this is going to affect all of us hi everybody yeah i'm currently abroad at the moment so it's a little bit different to what we me and my usually do uh but yes yeah, so um sadly westminster has been rocked by two deaths um one a very tragic loss of a great man and another a barbaric assassination this, these two incidents have really rocked Westminster. Um, just to mention very briefly, James Brokenshire was one of the great stand-ups of Parliament. He was a universally liked, well-respected and much beloved, really. You know, he was a Home Office Minister. I knew him when he was a Housing Minister, so I, I did work alongside him. And it was very upsetting, the news to hear. It really, it really was. Um, it's not something that we're pretty much used to really in Westminster you know older MPs you know they usually have retired by the time they pass away but so much to die in office is is quite a shock but I'm focusing on David Amos um I don't really know what to say if I'm being brutally honest I remember hearing the news um that it, it when it came through on, on what, what we call the wires and I was I was in shock I, I still am really um I knew David Amos pretty well. I was talking to him just two, three weeks ago at the conception of the Midland Hotel at Conservative Party Conference. We were laughing and joking and he seemed full of life as he always was. There's a fantastic story that uh, one of his aides told about um, him being at conference and how it used to take him ages to get David anywhere because David just wanted to stop and talk to literally everybody and anybody. And that's that's the kind of person that he was. It's. I know a lot of staffers, a lot of politicians, a lot of people like myself who kind of work in and around the SW1 region are reeling from this. I mean, people were physically crying and broke down. I mean, it, it's really rocked SW1 in a, in a way that I've not seen ever in my short, rather political, short political career, really. Um, I hope that... Uh, everybody sends best wishes to the fan friends and family and, and everybody affected, but I, it still defies understanding for so many, including myself, including myself. Um. Well, that's how much the thing. I mean, one of the issues that not many people have been focusing on is the fact that we've lost two MPs in a short space of time, James Brokenshire and now Sir David Amos. Different reasons, but the fact that Parliament is, well, a sadder place for this and I've been quite impressed with uh, some of the good Labour MPs who have actually put aside their differences and decided to be more unifying for once. And actually, it's, it's been great to see uh, the House being mature and civilised uh, in a long time. Uh, the other point is about about the fact that 
things might change now. As we know, politics and politicians are reactionary and they don't really come up with solutions in a proactive way. When things are fine, they don't really think about, oh, well, maybe we should introduce something else. And that's a bit sad because when something bad happens, then of course they're going to think about, you know, reactionary measures and how to respond. It makes you wonder if the if measures ha had been necessary, then why didn't you introduce it before? Why do you have to wait for something to happen to, to get to this point? Now, before we get to the security part of this, there, uh, I got this book that's the David... Uh, actually published a year ago. It's a bit sad, but I'm going to actually read it to you guys, this section of it, which is about when Joe Cox uh, was killed uh, back in 2016, and uh, his thoughts on the relationship between the public and uh, the parliament and parliamentarians. He essentially said that there can be no doubt that as a result of these heightened security concerns, most members have modified or changed the way they interact with the general public. The Commons authorities have taken threats very seriously and have raised guidance for the safety and security of not only members, but their families. This includes security in their own homes. I myself have over the years experienced a nuisance from the odd member of the general public at my own property. We regularly check our locks and many others have CCTV cameras installed, but probably the most significant change has been with constituency surgeries. The British tradition has always been that members of parliament regularly make themselves available for constituents to meet them face to face at their surgeries. Now advice has been given to be more careful when accepting appointments. We are advised to never see people alone. We must be extra careful when opening posts and we must ensure that our offices are properly safe and secure. Then he finishes this section by saying that in short, these increasing attacks have rather spoiled the great British tradition of the people openly meeting their elected politicians. I'm not really sure how to respond to this and how to react to this, considering he wrote this in his own book and it was published a year ago, a year or so ago, and yet this happened to him. Um, and this was, again, a reaction to uh, the post-Joe Cox events and everything else that happened since then and i want to know what um peter thinks because i think i got my views about of course uh, mp should have s certain kind of measures uh, to be kind of secured especially at surgeries but do we want less democracy when we look uh, specifically at how this is going to change politics um the assassination of david amos and i'm going to deliberately use that word because that's what it was it wasn't a death it wasn't a murder it was an assassination um, it, I'm expecting quite a few things to change. Um, there's already great arguments being had about MP security. I mean, even after the death of Joe Cox, I don't believe we learned enough after that. I think very little really changed. MPs obviously um, became more security conscious and, and all the rest of it. But in terms of what Priti Patel was talking about on Andrew Marr on Sunday, uh, the, what I think, what did you, what word did you use? Something like panoply or something like that, I think, if my memory serves right, um, about measures about keeping MPs safe. It, it is going to be a fine line. One of my biggest fears is that there is going to be a police presence at constituency surgeries. So the, for those, again, those who don't know, MPs uh, meet, it's usually about once a month. Once some do, two or even three a month. Um, depends how busy of a constituency office they have. Um, and they meet with people that have problems and sometimes you get people that just want to go and shout at them. I've, I've been to a handful myself. Um, they, are, they are quite interesting actually, but then you get people 
who go and it's they they really need help they really do and I, one of my biggest fears is that these new security measures are going to put off put people off sorry um from going um I'm, I'm, I really am because what this attack was and it w was an attack on our democracies it's an attack on how we function it's an attack on what what will happen in the future and I don't I don't particularly like the idea of police being there but then the security of MPs is, is important it's because it also it's important to remember that it's not just MPs you know people um, that I know um, like staffers attend these surgeries you know um, and it's a, it's going to be a very fine line, and I I do have a feeling though that if the measures are too harsh, I think a lot of MPs will reject them and say no, we're not doing it. Um, I know a lot of people bemoan members of Parliament; they really do. Um, and don't get me wrong, some of them greatly deserve it, but a lot of them take their constituency work very seriously. A lot of them take great pride in that. Like David, Sir David was a brilliant example of this. Even James Brokershire was as well. Um, they take, you know, going to your MP is often the last resort. And if that is cut off, I'm very concerned about that. Um, I, I hope there's some kind of initiative or some kind of program or something put in place to say that, look, we have to have these security measures, but the police aren't going to be in the room or something like that, which is what I'm really hoping there will be. Another um, suggestion that's being floated around and the kind of policy uh, talkers at the moment is removing the anonymity from social media. Now, I am very strongly against this. Don't get me wrong, online trolls are the bane of everybody's life if you're in politics. I mean, if you want to go round for round on death threats, just look at my, yeah, I'll show you my inbox any day. I mean, it, it, it's not a particularly nice thing, particularly on Twitter, as I'm sure many people know. But... Anonymity is often important on social media because, you know, there is a lot of LGBT people that use it. There's a lot of people that are getting out of abusive situations that use social media as a way to communicate with people anonymously so that other people can't find out. And if that's taken away, I, 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 again, I, I don't like the idea. Again, it is this fine line of the balance between security and freedom, as, as every line always is. But... My fear is that we're going to lurch um, too far the other way. Gordon Brown made an excellent point on Sky News on Sunday. He said, like, an attack on democracy can't mean less democracy. And I, th I thought that was a brilliant line. I really did. And I couldn't agree more with him. You know, I, I like I said, um, what happened to Sir David was barbaric, brutal, awful. Shocking, harrowing, freak any word, pull all the words really. But I don't think Dave, Sir David would support the measures that are currently being discussed. I genuinely don't. Like I said, I knew David a, a little, but he was a big believer in freedom, like me and my are, and like I'm sure many of you watching at home. And I think we win this fight. We do win this fight by pushing things forward and by being honest and finding compromises. I don't think we win by jumping to, 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 to totalitarian, that's a really difficult thing to say, to totalitarian methods. But again, we're just gonna have to see how, the, the, how this plays out then. I'll be keeping a very strong eye on this and I would recommend a lot of people do it at home. Well, um, and this is the thing, I mean, firstly, it's quite rare that I also agree with uh, Gordon Brown, very, very rarely. And one of the issues is that um, there's especially uh, the being anonymous online 
The people who are advocating against it and want to change it are the ones who are pushing for more authoritarian world. They want a more centralized world, a proper big brother world. These are the people who is going to be in charge? Well, the bureaucrats, the governments, politicians are going to be in charge of deciding uh, well, about your privacy, about your data, about your identity and everything else online. And how on earth are you going to be able to stop it? Are you going to be mandating the Chinese citizens to also not be anonymous? It's, the internet is in the global um, space and it's going to be very, very difficult. With When it comes to the, the next part of this issue, this suspect, because we still, of, of course, have to call him a suspect because we still believe in rule of law. We all know, of course, that uh, considering you know, he, he was uh, he did the stabbing and he got caught and everything else, but we have to go through the process, and that that was you know, that's what makes us you know superior when it comes to the rule of law and justice and understanding and our culture. Having said that, despite our values, we're still under attack, and we have to do something about this. And I want to see what um, obviously the viewers on. Uh, uh, the prevents and this these uh, de-radicalization programs that clearly have not worked. They've not worked. So how many people keep going to those things and then come out either unchanged or worse? So there has to be a better way to identify these people and actually try to stop this wave of attacks that keeps happening. And we don't, we don't really know what to do. All we do is just mourn and say, okay, respect. This is bad. Terrorism is bad. And then continue doing the same thing over and over again. When looking at the suspect, and it's important to remember that he is just a suspect, he, he hasn't been found guilty of a crime, don't forget we believe in the rule of law here, um, Ali Harabi Ali, uh, the 25-year-old man suspected of the stabbing, um, I know the police have said that they aren't looking for anybody else, um, but, you know, rule of law is important, if we believe in democracy, and we believe in due process, then we have to stand by it, no matter who it is, and, uh, you know, he was referred to prevent a few years ago, who saw that coming? Literally everybody with a brain. I mean, I, we need to have a serious conversation about PREVENT. Um, and is it actually working? For those who don't know, uh, PREVENT is the government's de-radicalisation programme. Um, it's, it's been under a lot of controversy for a good number of years. Now, I think even when I was at university, um, people were complaining about PREVENT even back then, and that's that's quite some time ago now. And, you know, this how we deal with these issues around uh, radical terrorism and radical Islam in particular, I think we have, a, we have a lot to learn from what's happened, and I really hope this might be a turning point. Uh, when we look at um, the kind of conversations that are being had right now, I think Brendan O'Neill made a really good point on on social, one of his social media channels. I think it was on Instagram, actually. He said that David Amos wasn't killed because of Brexit. David Amos wasn't killed because of some kind of, uh, you know, bad political discourse or anything like that. He was killed by a perverse ideology and an ideology that we've done very little to tackle. If I'm being brutally honest as a society, we tiptoe around this more than I've, more than any other issue, and unfortunately, it's that tiptoeing that you know it's, it's getting people killed and it has to change how we deal with this has to change not only because i don't want to see any more of my friends in the morgue but just to keep everybody safe how like i said how many times do we can we predict that um these people are known to the police or they're known to the security services or something like that and then they go and do something absolutely horrific the former mi5 chief was on I want to say it was on Trevor Ridge, I think, on Trevor, uh, one of the Sky News things, um, talking about this issue, um, saying that the lone wolf problem, which is what the, the, the prevailing theory is, 
is a real issue. Are they saying that actually lockdown hasn't helped? And I thought that's quite an interesting point. They're saying the number of people that are kind of been locked inside, following kind of um, things on YouTube and stuff, not really the social content contact is. Um, has really changed things and really made it very difficult for the security services. What I won't do, and I don't want really other people to do this, is stop blaming the police for this and stop blaming the security services for this. This isn't their fault. Um, they're doing the best they can and they do a tremendous job. They really do. If people really knew how dangerous the world is, they'd, most people would voluntarily lock themselves down. But yeah, um, when it comes to the suspect, I don't really want to speculate. I don't like people that are speculating already. I'm not particularly happy with the public discourse at the moment, well, the social media one, are people blaming it on things like Brexit and bad tweets and all the rest of it, because that just doesn't seem to be true with the evidence that we have so far. But the police have said that they're struggling to find a particular motive as to why it was Sir David. Was he just uh, just the wrong person in the wrong, in the wrong place? You know, we, do, we don't know a lot really so far. And I want speculation, and I beg, and I beg people, please don't speculate and put things on social media that you can't verify. I know we all have our suspicions about how this has gone down, but I, I, can we please not? Let's be better. Let's let's be good people about this, um, and have a little bit of respect for, for Sir David and for the security services and people doing the investigation. Let's get all the facts, and then we can talk about this. What I don't. Well, that's the thing. I mean, before I kind of uh, Peter continues, the one of the issues that, that we have is. Uh all the reactions to this and as i said there's a wider problem and in terms of who's to be blamed or not to be blamed overall in terms of the staff who do their job every day security services the police and everyone else they've just been given a task by obviously their departments by the politicians the home secretary and everybody else to simply uh, carry on their operations and they you know of course they're still doing their best uh, i don't think it's one of those events where you can just point at one person or one small group of people and say it's, it's your fault the wider issue society on a societal level and culturally uh, whether in terms of the the culture of uh, not necessarily just mass migration but uh, unvetted migration that's one thing the culture of uh, division and uh, tribalism that we've created uh, certain areas in this country uh, are essentially isolated and they have their own cultures Inside the British society, they have their own culture. That's also not really helpful. Uh, we also know that in terms of education, there's a problem there. When we know that these programs like Prevent, they don't work, we have to sort of look at um, the, the actual elements of this. And um, we know politicians also have a massive impact in terms of the way they make policies. And uh, sometimes they've been uh, out of touch, sometimes, again, reactionary. Uh, so it's, 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 as, as Peter said, it's not one of those times you just completely go crazy. Uh, so it's a lot easier to just get emotional. Uh, this is the, one of those few times that we have the perfect opportunity, unfortunately, to uh, get together, make sure that we have a proper debate about the direction of this country uh, and make sure that anybody who's uh, trying to go the opposite way and be our opponents, we have to stand up to them. Whether you know they're from within or not, it doesn't really matter. But right now, deal with this case first. And try not to go reactionary because I, I was trying to obviously get some of the questions from the full members of the channel. Uh, not, not many of them were on these topics, but Jake has a question about uh, being anon anonymous on online and how some politicians are now trying to go against it uh, using this event. Yes, Jake is spot on. So there is this uh, proposal to uh, eliminate being anonymous on the internet, as we said earlier. And it came up because of this situation how 
what's this got to do with the, um, the assassination of Sir David Amos? Seriously. Was this person anonymous online? And that's how he managed to, you know, again, allegedly uh, to do this. To those of you who might have some sympathy towards uh, proposals like this, always think, always question everything and everyone, including yourself, especially when it comes to ideas. You know, if you think, oh, well, it seems sensible. Yeah, anonymous, that, that's, that's bad. P people who are trolls, faceless people. Well, that, in reality, as Peter was saying, that there are some people who it's in their interest to be protected, their identity. Secondly, if bad people, evil people want to do something, they, they were still doing it before the, the internet. Thirdly, who's going to be in charge? Governments or politicians or, you know, and who's going to be the nanny? That is one of the biggest issues. And I just want to kind of obviously read out uh, Jake's question because obviously it's, it's something we were discussing earlier. And it, it's spot on. It's, it's a bit weird seeing how people just accept policies or ideas without really questioning, get, getting deep into why it's coming up, who's bringing it up, and what's going to actually happen. And I think it's one of those things that we have to be discussing on the channel more often. And that's that's what, the whole point of this platform. And as I said, firstly, apologies for the, the absence, uh, although obviously we don't really do um, content on Saturdays or Sundays, but uh, we wanted to do more things on Friday. Obviously, things change. But this platform that we have on this website is for more deeper discussions and more collaborations and, of course, uh, with our contributors as well. Uh, you know, the longer formats that, you know, we don't want to go too long because you guys give feedback, say, don't do an hour or whatever. Fine, we get that. Absolutely. Uh, people will get bored. But we don't want it, it to, we can't really do these things like a two-minute video on YouTube or things like that or Twitter. Uh, we want to use this opportunity, this platform for these sort of things to actually have proper discussions uh, to help you guys. So you guys also could help us with your feedbacks, with your questions that you send us every day. Uh, so hopefully tomorrow we'll resume the normal programs and uh, see exactly what we're dealing with. I think we're going to have a lot of issues from the Home Office going forward. I want to say massive thanks to uh, Peter Barnes uh, coming to us from abroad. And hopefully he will be back with us. At, uh, well, I think he's back in London on Saturday. So we'll see him very, very soon. Thanks again for watching. My TC. And I'll see you guys in the next video.